It's great to be here this morning. It is so hot. Like, so hot. Like, I want to die. Um, yeah, when we left, we flew, we got in Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning here sometime. Um, and when we left Ireland, it was a nice 50 degrees Fahrenheit, rainy, overcast. So great Irish summer day. Um, and as we were descending over LAX, it looked like the apocalypse had happened. Because it was like brown. Just brown. We got off the airplane and it was really hot. Um, and I kind of got sick. So, there you go. Well, anyway, my name's Nate. You can call me Nate. My name's Nathaniel. Aaron and I met online and I already feel like we're best buddies. Um, it's good to be here. Good to be with you. Um, if you want to talk with me afterwards about Ireland, life in Ireland, um, or the Bible college, really anything in general, please, please come chat with me. Um, I know I have kind of a mean face, as my wife says. I just look angry all the time, but I'm not. I swear. I promise I'm not. I just look angry. Cool? So come chat. I'm nice. Um, so this morning it will be in, uh, or is it this afternoon? It is this afternoon. Um, so we'll be in chapters 13 through 16, but I really want to focus on 15 verses 9 through 20. So let's read that together. We're going to pray, and we'll see what happens after that. Right, so it says, Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? They said, We have come up to bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, We have come down to bind you, that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were in his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put his hand and took it, and with it struck one thousand men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, oh, check, check. With the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath Lehi. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. Shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? God split open the hollow place that is Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he was revived. Therefore the name of it was called En-Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. And that is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Yes, so Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. 
And I thank you that we can be here this morning to hear what you have to say to us through judges and through specifically the story of Samson. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in power this morning. Father, I'm just a... (laughs) I'm like Samson in so many ways. I'm weak. So would would you empower me to speak your truth this morning. Father, would you love fall upon us? You're so worthy. You're so good. We love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Cool. So story of Samson. Um, He's kind of just an awful guy. I'll be really honest. He's kind of just an awful guy. He's the sixth and the last judge found in Judges. Right? So in the beginning of his story, we see in chapter 13. And by the way, I'm used to teaching three-hour classes, but don't worry. I'll keep it down to like, what time is it anyway? How long do I have? My phone. Oh, great. Half an hour. Brilliant. We'll do it. So chapter 13 is where we, where we start off the story of Samson. He begins with just this miraculous encounter, right? His mother is met by an angel. And the angel says, your son, so he says, you're barren, you're going to have a son. And that son is going to be set apart and called specifically um, to judge Israel. And he's going to be set apart in a way um, that is known as the Nazarite vow. He's going to be set apart as a Nazarite from birth. Now, if you want to learn more about the Nazarite vow and kind of that whole story, go to Numbers chapter 6. It'll be verses nine or 1 through 20. And it'll talk about specifics given um, for the Nazarites. But, to, but just to cap real quick, the Nazarite vow was a vow that God said, look, as a people who are set apart already as Israelites, if there's individuals in, um, in that nation who want to be set apart even further, they can take this vow. And it was a vow open to both men and women, so it wasn't gender specific. But the vow consisted of this. It said three, um, three main points to the vow. One, you're not to drink or have anything that comes from the vine. Two, for the duration of the vow, you're not to cut your hair which is pretty great. Three, you're not to go near any dead bodies. So that's kind of the specifics to taking this vow. And the vow was for um, people who want to be set apart. And generally it was in thanks or praise to what God had already done in their life. So whether it's healing or, you know, you were barren and you had a baby and you say, oh, thank you, God, I'm going to set myself apart for a specific time. It always ended in a sacrifice. That's how it ended. They would cut their hair, put it on the altar, burn it, perform a sacrifice before the Lord. Vow was done. There's only three people in the entire Bible who didn't take the vow, but were given that vow at birth. Um, Samson's one of them. Sam is one of them. And John the Baptist is one of them. So there's three people given this vow at birth, called specifically 
to judge the nation of Israel. So that's who Samson is. That's the promise. That's the hope of Samson. It kind of fast forward um, a bit, and in chapter 14, he's a man. We don't see much of his, of, of his youth. He's a man in chapter 14. So here, here's the beginning of the story of Samson, right? There's hope um, for a savior for Israel. And from there, it just goes downhill real quick. Um, and when I say Samson is the worst, he kind of really is the worst. And it's frustrating because he reminds me of me at times. Right? So when we read chapter, when we're reading in 15, um, the, the, the Israelites came up and they said, we've come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. And 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rulers over us what then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. And I think that, just that, that sentence right there encapsulates the story of Samson. It's, it's a story of retaliation, right? So he's on his way, chapter 13, he's on his way down to the vineyards, and what the heck is a guy doing who has taken an Azurite vow, he's supposed to stay away from grapes and raisins and wine, what is he doing on his way down to the vineyard? So already we can see kind of a contempt for, for the rules that have been set out for him, a disregard, an arrogance almost in his life. He's on his way down, he sees a, a, a woman and he goes, she's hot, make her my wife. I want that one, right? Um, goes back up to his parents. He says, I want that woman to be my wife. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. She's a daughter of the Philistines who are our enemies. So it doesn't matter. I want that one. She looks nice to me. Make her my wife. So they go down, right? They go down to, to perform a wedding, a seven-day feast, which I'm all about. Amen. I love food. It's like one of my favoriteest things. If you couldn't tell, i got a little bit of a belly going on right now. I also have two children, and that, that adds pounds to you. So praise God for that. Um, so yeah, anyway, they have, they have a feast, and he makes a bet with the Philistines. He says, if you can solve this riddle, I'll give you some linen. I'll give you some goods, if you can solve this riddle. He tells them a riddle, right? They can't solve it. So they go to his new wife, and they say, hey... Give us an in. Tell us the secret. Tell us the answer to the riddle. She goes to him and she says, Tell me the answer. He says, No, I haven't even told my parents. I haven't even told my parents. Why would I tell you? And it says she bugged them. She nagged them. She kept at it. Who's married in here? Oh, praise God. Amen. So you know what that's all about. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> my, wife's, my wife's not here right now, so I can... No, I'm not going to say anything. She's the best. I'm a lucky man. I'll just say that. I'm a lucky man. Um, so anyway, she bothers him, right? She bugs him um, over and over and over again to find that he gives in and he says, oh, well, the answer to the riddle is this. I killed the lion with my bare hands, which is already incredible. Um, but on the way back down to come marry you, I saw the dead carcass and there was honey in it. And I went in and I grabbed that honey and I ate of it. And remember, the second Nazarite vow, 
not to go near a dead body. It was so intense that even if a relative died, right, a relative died, they weren't to go near the body. Now, can you imagine that in an honor-based society where family was everything? Family was everything. There wasn't this individualistic, you know, um, you create your own destiny life that we tend to live now. Family was everything. So to not even be able to go near um, a family member who died, not even to be able to perform the mourning ceremony, um, how much more so should Samson have stayed away from a dead lion? But he thought the honey might taste nice. So he went down, touched the body, and gave some of it to his, to his parents. And that's why he didn't tell them, because they were also Nazarites. And he, he brought them into this breaking of a vow, unknowingly to them. So anyway, the wife gets the answer. She goes and tells the Philistines. They come. Samson gets real angry. He says, how dare you trick me and use my wife against me? I'm going to go down to the town, kill 30 dudes, take their linens and give it to you. So tit for that. It's already beginning a tit for tat. That's what he's saying there. Right? Because you did this, oh, I'm just going to do exactly what you did to me. The Philistines get angry. What do they do? They burn his wife and her dad. So he gets angry and burns their fields with foxes. I mean, he didn't set the foxes on fire. That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? He tied, uh, he tied torches in between their tails and set them on fire. And they got angry. And they came up. And he killed some of them. And then they got angry again. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. So it's a tit for tat. <laughs> and I was driving, just even driving down here. Okay, so this morning my air conditioning broke in the car. That was like the worst thing to happen to me by far. Not really. But I was driving down here sweating and I thought I was going to die. Um, and I was getting real cranky on the road because we're in the motorways. Like, it's speedy and I drive like an old man. And people were yelling at me, flipping me off and getting angry. And there was a guy who was just right behind me the whole time. I was going, what are you doing? So he pulled around and I said, ha, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up right behind him. And immediately, you know what happened? I heard Samson saying that. Right? I heard him say, as they did to me, so have I done to them. And I saw Samson in myself. And I saw myself in Samson. I said, oh, Nate, what are you doing? What are you doing? So that's where we find ourselves now today, in the middle of this story. In the book of Judges, specifically the, book, the, the section of, that encapsulates the story of Samson, is really just God's way of saying, look, I use really broken, really foolish, really messed up people to accomplish my will. Right? And he does. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. I was loving just seeing Aaron and the team up there because, you know, kind of a key to a healthy, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but a key to a healthy ministry is setting yourself up, self up with people who are better than you. Right? So that's my team. The guys who teach back in Ireland are way better than me. And praise God for that. Right? So... What we see in the story of Samson is that God uses incredibly broken people and incredibly messed up people to accomplish his will. Now, Samson had a general calling, 
and a very specific calling. And I think one of the biggest questions that my students ask me who are in college or even further than college, they ask me, or, or their, their greatest question in life is, what is God calling me to do? What does God want me to do? What is my purpose in life? Right? So we see in Samson that he has a general calling and a specific calling. And his general calling was to be a Nazarite. Right? His general calling was to be a Nazarite. His specific calling was to be a judge of Israel. So his, his general calling, this Nazarite set apart amongst the people who were already set apart, to call the people of Israel back to the God who loves them, cares for them, provided for them, called them to be a people holy and set apart to themselves, to him. So that calling, right, was meant to inform his specific calling. The generic calling, the general calling was, was meant to inform his specific calling. So my question to you today is what's your calling? What are you called to? I'm not I'm not looking for hands, sorry. <laughs> Just, um, I'm used to, yeah, obviously used to teaching classes, so I like asking questions and getting responses, but don't you don't have to raise your hands to anything. Um, just a heads up. Yeah, so my question to you today is, what are you called to? What are you called to? So keep that in mind. We'll keep pressing on here. So we see from Samson that he's incredibly strong. I mean, there's moments throughout the three chapters where the Holy Spirit rests upon him and empowers him to do things that he would unable or be unable to do otherwise, right? Like ripping a lion limb from limb. Incredible. Killing a thousand men with a jawbone. Terrifying, but incredible. <laughs> Violent, but incredible. Um, and we see later on at the very end of the chapter, destroying a, a massive temple by pushing the two resting pillars apart. Terrifying, but incredible. So the Holy Spirit empowers him. Um, and we see that whether it's through his, his, phys- his appearance, um, looking like he's a physically just a beast of a man, or through some like legendary renown, the men of the, the Philistines obviously knew that Samson was, was strong because they came by the thousand and they, they spread their camp apart. It says that in chapter 15, they spread their camp apart. They didn't gather in one central location. So Samson, was a, he was a renowned guy. They knew who he was. Um, so we see that he's incredibly strong, incredibly strong, almost heroically strong. However, um, he, he's incredibly spiritually and morally weak. And that's the story of Samson that I want to kind of hone in on today. What's your calling? And let's talk about Samson being weak, not his strength. He's not someone to emulate. He's not a hero we should put on a pedestal. So his, his general calling informs his specific calling. But he disregards his general calling, right? What does he do? He goes down to a vineyard. That's <laughs> the first step. He disregards it, goes down to a vineyard. Reaches into a dead body, pulls out honey. Kills thousands, <laughs> thousands and thousands of men. We'll see you later on. Gets his hair cut. 
he disregards his general calling. And that um, messes with his specific calling. Right? He's not a righteous judge. By any means. Not the judge that that Israel um, needed, but the one that God used. Right? God still used him. Praise God for that. So with that question, what is your what is your general calling? Well, who's Christian in here? I think that's everybody. Well done. That's great. So as a Christian, what's your general calling? What are you called to as Christian to do? Well, Westminster Catechism. The first question they say, what is the chief end of man? So what is the purpose of man? To love God, to worship Him forever. I'm abbreviating that, but it's essentially what it says, to love God and worship Him forever. Christian, that's your, that's your general call, to love God and worship Him forever. And your specific call will flow out of that, should flow out of that. Right? Romans, chapter 8. So if you are a Christian, this is your general call. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, no, skipping a few verses. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Flipping over chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And then verse 9 says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals in his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome 
evil with good. Christian, that's what you're called to. Not to do what they did to me, but to forgive and to love, to overcome evil with good. See, that's what Samson began. He began to judge Israel. But there has to be a finish to it. Something has to end. How do we get from Samson (laughs) to this? How do we get from a guy who just over and over and over misses the mark? My hand's really sweaty. The, The mic's starting to slip like this. I'm sweating so much up here, guys. It's running down my back. It's kind of gross, sorry. How do we get from Samson to this? How do I get from, from, <laughs> from going on the freeway, swearing at people on the way to preach at church? I did. Oh, right? Just so angry. Ah. How do I get from that to this? feeding my, my hungry enemy to giving him thirst or to giving him drink if he's thirsty just toss one more at you it's Colossians 3 put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Christian, that's what you're called to. So how do we get from Samson to that? Right? How do we deal with the anger that's in our hearts? With the unforgiveness that's in our hearts? How do we love those who, who persecute us? Who ridicule us? How do we befriend our enemies? Well, let's pop back to Judges real quick. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand, and took it, and with it he struck one thousand men. Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand. And that place was called Ramath Lehi. So here Samson is slaying a thousand men. And he's joking about it. 
He's laughing about it. I've made donkeys out of donkeys. Actually says, I made asses out of asses. Alright? He's joking about murdering a thousand men. But the joke's really on Samson. Because he's really, he's, he's really the donkey. He's really the ass that God used to judge Israel. He's the jawbone that God used to wake Israel up from, from a place where they were content. Right? And see, the Philistines, they were, they were sneakier than the Canaanites or the Amorites in their oppression of Israel. They didn't outright enslave them. But they integrated their economy, they integrated their, their marriage, they in, intermarried, and it was such a slow progression that the Jews just kind of became apathetic. They said, ah, oh, we actually kind of like these guys. Right? Remember, remember what they said to Samson? What are you doing to us? <laughs> what are you doing to us? Don't stir things up. We like these guys. It's all right. It's not too bad. Can we, can we take you captive and give, give you over to those guys so everything stays kind of pish-pish? That means that. That means just even keel and normal. Sorry. Um, right? So God uses Samson to stir things up, to wake Israel up from, from a slumber. And there's another man that was taken captive by the Israelites. There's another man that stirred things up. His name's Jesus. You see, the whole Bible is pointing towards Jesus. Everything in it screams his name. It's all about him. <laughs> it's all about him. See, Jesus is the true Samson. He's the righteous king and the righteous judge. And yet, and yet, rather than slay his enemies, he lays down his own life for them and makes them his closest friends. Rather than heaping up bodies around him, he heaps up one body, and that's his church. And I can't, I, I wish I could just express, I wish I had the language to give to you just the value of Jesus. There is no one better, no one sweeter, no one greater, no one who will love you more fully than Jesus. There isn't. There isn't. And you see, that's how we get from Samson to loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. He willingly went. When all Israel rose up against him and said, this guy's stirring the pot. We can't have that. Everything's comfortable. We like what we're doing. 
They took him, bound him, nailed him on a cross. But rather than ropes, he broke the power of sin and death. For you and for me, he broke that power. He died to make you his friend. I was an, I was an enemy of God. I was. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm now his friend and his brother, an heir to the kingdom. I have no condemnation. No condemnation. And you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't just rest upon me at moments in my life. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. It gives me not physical power, but spiritual power. So that I'm not just moments and moments overcoming things or destroying my enemies, even though I may feel like it. It gives me the power to overcome anger, lust, fear, anxiety. And that was, that was provided for us through the life and death of Jesus Christ. You see, the, the, end, the end of Samson's life is quite sad. He falls in love with a, a woman. You can see kind of a theme for Samson, can't you? He's got a theme for the women, for the ladies. Falls in love with a woman. And she keeps begging him, asking him. It's almost like a repeat of the first time. She keeps begging him, asking him, imploring him, bugging him to tell her the secret of his strength. And each time, you know, he says, I'll bind me with, bind me with green rope. She says, okay. She calls the Philistines. They come in. He breaks them. <laughs> Not too long after that, she says, what's your secret? Sam says, ah, bind me with black rope. Comes in. Sells him out again. Ah, bind me with red rope. Comes in, sells him out again. And eventually he just says, you know what? You must not love me. You must not love me. Because you're not telling me your secrets. Sam says, ah, fine. It's got to be something with the hair. That's the last vow. The last thing he's holding on to. Of his general call. The last thing he's holding on to. He says, ah, just give it a go. And like every other time, he gets up expecting to have that power. And guess what? He's captured, imprisoned, and put to slavery. But I love this part. I love this part. It says, uh, The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and brought him to Gaza, and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. It's like a to be continued almost. It began to grow again. There's an expectation that something's about to happen. God's going to keep working. And God always does, no matter what. God's at work. If you're a Christian, God's at work in your life. Whether you can feel it or not, 
Sense it or not, He's at work in you. So there He is, day after day, grinding at the mill. A couple of verses over, it says, And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there was about 3,000 men and women who looked, in, who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two little pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, and his right hand on the one, and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in, the, in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down, took him, brought him up, and buried him. And he judged Israel 20 years. So Samson, one last display of power, kills his enemies and himself. And Jesus, again, it's all about Jesus. Jesus didn't die so that his enemies could die. Jesus died again so that his enemies could be his friends. Right? That's what he's doing. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's at work building his church. Right? He's at work building his church. So the story of Samson is one of, of failure. <laughs> it's more of failure. But the story of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. How great he is, how perfect he is, how quite opposite he is of Samson. He's righteous, he's good, he's worthy, he's level headed, he's even killed, and he is fully and utterly submitted to the will of the Father. So, how do we go from Samson to, to what we read earlier. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you're a Christian, and all of you raised, I think all of you raised your hands, if you're a Christian, he's afforded that for you. He's provided that for you. And you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you so that you can love your enemies and you can forgive them. And there's no longer this tit for tat. And when you mess up, when you mess up, there's no separation. God says, I'm right here. I love you. I knew you were going to mess up. I knew you were going to mess up. Right? Isn't that amazing? Thank God for that. 
Thank God for the gift, gift of his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us. Cool. We're done. I'm going to pray real quick. And I guess, where is she? Yeah, brilliant. Can I lead us in a song? Can I pray for you guys? Can I do that? All right. Father, I thank you again for your word that you have given us Jesus, the true and perfect Samson, who loved us to death, who loved us to death, who befriends us and calls us brother. Oh, how marvelous that is. Father, if there's anyone in here now who's wrestling with what it means to be Christian, what it means to walk with you, and you feel condemned, overcome by sin, Father, would you right now, through your Holy Spirit, remove that condemnation, because there is no condemnation for those who are in you, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you empower them? Would you fill them? Father, would we be just ambassadors of your kingdom who look not for opportunities to overcome our enemies with strength, but to overcome them with love. That we would see our enemies as potential children of God that we seek to build your body I thank you so much for the work that you're doing in me and this, in this youth group and in Ireland I thank you for loving that country what a gift it is to have Aaron and his wife just praying about what you may have for them there. There's such opportunity. There's such need. So Holy Spirit, would you move in power? Would the gospel go forth? Would lives be changed? And would your kingdom come on earth? And we love you. Stir our hearts to worship you now. We pray. Amen.